Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Prayer is powerful. Do we believe that? Yes. However, I think when it comes to prayer, when it comes to praying, I think sometimes it can often be undervalued. It can often be maybe underused misunderstood as to its significance. Maybe it's directed in the wrong ways, or maybe it's lacking in fervor and seal that we need when we're praying towards our God and King of Kings. Now, how often have you heard the statement, my thoughts and my prayers are with you? Maybe quite a lot. I will keep you in my prayers. I am praying for you. And though I know that there are are some of us that are diligent and faithful, and we, we say what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for you, so I pray for you. I think I have been challenged that sometimes I make the statement and I forget to pray. I don't follow through with the statement, and instead what it becomes is a good wish instead of a statement of intent. I'm praying for you is often a passing comment rather than, an actual statement saying, you know what, I'm going to do what I'm saying I'm going to do. You often see it with social media these days. So many posts and stories that go out. And in the comments you read these statements, praying for you. Or tweets after a devastating situation, praying for all those involved. And like I said, quite often these statements are the good wishes. Or just good thoughts instead of being statements of intent in that situation. And the question that I found challenging for myself, and maybe a challenge for some of us in this place, is what if we prayed with intention, purpose, and fervor? What if we pray and mean what we pray? And so I want to share a video with you that it was, uh, it was a situation that or an event that happened about, I think, a year ago in America. It will come up on the next slide. I'll let it uh, play, and then we'll talk it. Um, football gave me everything. You know, and I think even through the midst of absolute tragedy last night, I think you saw some of the beauty of football mm -hmm. as well, that it's brought us all here together. Um, you know, like, this is a little bit different. I heard, I've heard it all day, like thoughts and prayers. And you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him. And I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say, like, we believe in prayer. And maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I want to, it's just on my heart that I want to pray for It him. is. DeMar Hamlin right, right, right now. Um, I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. Um, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that your God and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're, we're sad, we're angry, um, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray, truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, to be with his family, to give them peace, if we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. Um, I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up DeMar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. 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 It's beautiful. Respectfully. That was a real, that was an 
a live video broadcast that happened in, in America. A situation in the NFL where a player had a cardiac arrest and then you saw flooded over social media, you saw flooded in the, in the news reports, we're praying, praying thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, time and time and time and time again. But there was no, there was no a, a, an evident follow-through on the prayer. And this news anchor reporting the story, as you saw there, we hear so many times thoughts and prayers, I'm going to pray. And he did it on live TV. Powerful. Prayer is powerful. But we have to move in it. Believe in it. He said, we believe in prayer. Do we believe in prayer? What prevents us praying in every situation as we're encouraged to in Scripture, as we see in Philippians, in all, in all situations and circumstances, are we praying? As Rachel said, we can talk to God about anything. Are we doing so? And so I want to direct us to a passage in, in Mark. It's not a usual passage when looking at the power of prayer, but I'm, rather than looking at the situation, I'm looking at the uh, discourse that happened, the conversations, the attitudes of the people in, in this um, encounter. So we're going to turn to Mark chapter 9, and we're going to read from verses 14 to 29. It should come up. There it is. Let's read together. When they, this was Jesus, Peter, James, and John, came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing about? With them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes at his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. O oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him, and when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to, the feet, to his feet. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Now, up until this moment that we see here, it had been comparatively rather, dare I say, 
easy for the disciples to follow Jesus. However, from here on in, it was going to get harder for them, and it was going to get harder, harder. It was going to get harder for the followers. Disciples had previously been able to perform miraculous feats in Jesus' name. They had seen it happen. But this situation had them beaten. And the solution offered by Jesus was simply prayer. Pray. Prayer should be always part of our daily walk with God. But in some situations, it requires a particularly focused spiritual effort. This is something that I've had to learn because sometimes I can pray and not think about when I'm praying. It's almost like a passing statement or thought. I'm praying, I say things, and I forget what I've prayed for. But in some situation, we need to focus, to press in, to really hone in. What is it that we are seeking God for? And it requires that spiritual effort on our behalf. And when I look at this situation, when I look at the disciples, the first impression I take is the disciples... Inability to deal with the problem and the crowd's consequence impatience with them. They didn't deal with it, they didn't see the outcome of what they were trying to do, and it, it led to people becoming impatient. Now, I think this can sometimes echo what we walk through in our day to day. When we learn to walk beside Jesus, we will face, we are sometimes are permitted to face harder tasks, encounters, or situations which demand more courage and demand more prayer. And we can allow disappointment, impatience, heartache, trouble to prevent us drawing near to God in prayer. Prayer is powerful. I asked at the start, prayer is powerful. Do we believe it? It can bring about change in our situations but it has to be rooted in the right things. And so I want to break down a few thoughts today to challenge our hearts and minds and hopefully help us as we approach God in prayer on a daily basis. And the first thing is, this, this won't come as a surprise, but faith is paramount in our prayers. Now, I looked at this situation with the disciples and I couldn't help thinking perhaps they were being complacent in this situation. Almost they had seen miraculous feats done before. They had been the vessels of miraculous feats before. So maybe they became, I'm only, I'm saying maybe because we don't know. Maybe they were becoming complacent in this situation. It's happened before, we can do it again. The situation they faced was serious. And it required faith to see an outcome. Now, we see Jesus, when he approached this situation, he used a couple of rhetorical questions expressing frustration that his presence had not resulted in greater faith. Oh, unbelieving generation, he said, how long shall I stay with you? His second question, how long shall I put up with you, almost highlights how this heavy emotional load, unbelief was playing on him. You still don't believe in me. Jesus' presence, when he came to earth, his presence 
was to show the way where others could follow and they can do likewise. And the disciples, like I said, had already experienced amazing miracles. They'd been in festivals of miracles themselves, yet still displayed what many would argue a weak faith in this situation. And I want to say to us that our prayers are powerful, but they require resolute, determined, unmoving faith in God, in him, in who he is. And if we're not careful, there can be a ripple effect. The disciples' failure in this situation weakened the father's confidence in Jesus to help his son. See, our prayers do more than just move in our situations, but it enables those in our world who may hear those, pray, those prayers to, to be moved to God, to encounter who is, it, who is above all, over all, in all, and through all. When we speak out our prayers and confidence and boldness and who God is, those who listen are moved, and they're drawn to the one that is over all things. And now throughout Scripture, we see, we see examples of what praying in faith look like. If I, want to, I want to turn our attention to James. James chapter 5, verse 17 to 18. Again, it will come up behind me. And we account, he goes back to this man, Elijah. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. You can see, if you want to read this encounter, you can find it in 1 Kings chapter 18. Elijah had an assurance for what, that what he would pray for would happen. He had an assurance that when he prayed, he would see an outcome. And the reason he had an assurance was because God said to him beforehand, it would happen. When we pray in faith, it is firstly an assurance and confidence in what God has said, what God um, has done and said he will do. It's an assurance in what God has said. When we look at his word, there are many promises in scripture of what God says he will do or has done. And so we can pray with that assurance. Prayer is powerful when it comes into agreement with the one who says so. Yeah? But then there is the other side of the coin, which is faith prays with submission when God has kept the outcome hidden. You pray, you may be, I don't know, I'm surmising here, maybe we're praying for a job or a new, situ a new circumstance in our lives. But there are no promises in Scripture that we would get a job or that situation. The outcome has not been made known to us. So when we come to God in prayer, we come to him in submission. What you say, God. I don't know what the outcome is, but I come and give this to you. Not yet. She's beating me to the punch there. <laughs> In Mark 1, chapter 40, we see a situation of a man with, man with leprosy. 
This man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I find this statement fascinating. One line in scripture, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Immediately, faith is displayed. This man knows that Christ can bring a breakthrough in his situation. He knows because he says so. If you're willing, you can make me clean. There is no doubt in his mind, but what he does not know if, it is, if it's Christ's purpose to make him clean. Hence his question if, or statement, if you are willing. You can put it up now, the rain. Faith prays with assurance when God has made the outcome clear, but it also prays with submission when God has kept the outcome hidden. And I believe for all of us, this is a, a great example of the way that we can pray. When we do not have a promise of Scripture or prompting of the Spirit in regards to God's purpose in a particular situation, our prayers are powerful because it removes reliance on ourselves. It submits it to the one that has all powerful and authority. That is powerful faith. That is powerful prayer. To pray when you don't know the outcome, submitting to the one that does. And we read another situation that I want to draw our attention to. We're going to look at the Apostle Paul going to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, reading from verse 7 to 10. And he makes, we read here, he says, To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul's faith is expressed not in the insurance of the outcome, but submission to the outcome. He submitted to the outcome. Faith is powerful in prayer because it brings our, the focus back on God and not the situation we're facing. And I think sometimes our situations can become our narrative. We can allow the difficulties, the hardships, the worries, the concerns to speak into us and it weighs us down. And I think the challenge for us is we either allow our situations we're walking through to be our narrative or we allow what God says to be our narrative. We either allow the situations we walk through to weigh us down with those worries, those concerns, those anxieties, or we come to God, submit it to him, and we rest in the promise of his word and allow his truth to be our truth. Faith doesn't deny reality. 
but it doesn't allow the reality to be our narrative. I could go out of this church building, I hope it doesn't happen, and my tires could be slashed. <laughs> I could have a flat tire. My reality is I have a flat tire on my car, and I can allow that situation to make me angry, frustrated, annoyed. I could, I don't know what the, fig, there was a figure of speech that came to my head and went straight out the other side. I'll, I'll move on. But what I'm saying is, or I could just rest in God. He's a God of patience, of peace. We read it, it's a fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Patience. The situation is bad. Yeah, I've got a flat tire now. You know, God, I just submit it to you. My anger is not going to get that tire fixed. My frustration is not going to get that tire fixed. But I come to you. I rest in your presence. Allow your peace to fill my heart. Allow clarity to come. And then I can move forward. So faith is paramount in our prayers. But what we also must do in our prayers is recognize God's authority. Now we face a very real enemy, unseen enemy. And we read about it in 1 Peter 5, verses 8 to 9. It says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same type of sufferings. Be alert. The enemy is moving, and he's going to look to trip us up. He's looking for an opportunity to tempt us to doubt God's goodness, to disbelieve, to deny, disregard, and disobey what God has said. He's looking for any opportunity to do this. And situations we face that can cause us to become angry, frustrated, allow worry to build up, anxiety to build up, are the very situations he can move in to draw us away from God. When we come before God in prayer and petition, humbling ourselves before him, we inviting him into the process to take the reins and to take the lead because in him all things are held together. He has the ultimate say-so. So when we come to him in prayer, we're saying, Lord, take the reins. You take the lead. I trust in you. I'm not going to allow the enemy to have a foothold. You take the lead and I'll follow. When we look at this situation in Mark, the story that I shared at the start, the father did not recognize Jesus' authority. And we know this because of the question he asked. He said, if you can do anything, if you can. There's a difference we see here between the man with leprosy and the man in this story. Because the man with leprosy said, if you're willing, you can heal me. If you're willing, it's a different statement. This man's saying, if you can. It's never a question of if, can, if God can. But it is rather if we truly believe God can help in our situations, no matter the outcome. 
the issue in this situation is not how strongly the father believed Jesus would heal his son. Rather, it's solely the object of his faith. Do we believe in God? Do we recognize who Jesus is, who he says he is? And I came across this quote, and it said, One who has faith will set no limits to the power of God. Very simple. One who has faith will set no limits to the power of God. And I know I've done this in my prayers, and I recognized it afterwards, that we can limit God to what we think the outcome should be. If we do not recognize God's authority in our prayers, we are limiting what he can do in our situations. Because what he can do is far beyond what we can ever think or imagine. And maybe sometimes we limit him to what we think he should do. And now there's this statement that we see, and it's not the first time we see it in Scripture, where Jesus said, all things are possible for him who believes. What does that mean? I've heard it said, anything is possible, you just got to believe. But I think it's an un, a misunderstood statement. See, Jesus provides the means for anything to be possible. We just simply must believe in him. The Amplified Bible states it like this. All things are possible for the one who believes and trusts in me. It's not an emphasis on how strongly or boldly we believe. The issue is the object of one's belief. Do we believe in God? And I think if we, if we misunderstand this statement, we are setting ourselves up for disappointment. It's not a promise that we can do or get whatever we desire. We have power only due to whom we believe in, in Jesus. It's the object of our faith. The power is God's. The authority is God's. Access through faith and prayed according to his will. It's surrendering to his way. His truth. I read it somewhere that we are not the source of light, but we are the reflection of it. Our prayers are therefore, therefore are not our voice, but the echo of God's voice. We reflect him in our prayers. We reflect his truth in our prayers. And we declare it over our situations. When we pray, we come into alignment to his will, his way, his truth. That is far beyond anything we can think or imagine. And it leads me to the final point, that we are to steward God's word in our prayers. When God speaks, he calls things into existence. When we speak, we call things into order. God's word starts, our words steward. Were the disciples stewarding God's word in that situation? It seemed like it, they weren't. And in Matthew 6, 9 to 13, we see the way to pray. 
It's called the, it's like the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. The outline of it is we are God's stewards, praying for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We bring order to God's creation. The situations we're walking through, we bring it into alignment with God's will and purpose. But then what about Mark eleven twenty four? That says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now, Jesus said a lot of things about prayer. I'm only touching a certain aspect here. He said a lot about prayer. And quite often, and again, I put my hand up because it's a lesson I'm trying to learn, is that we can hone in on particular verses because they, they look good. They feel good. Oh, that's encouraging. And then we hang on to that first, but then we misunderstand the context in which it was given. We, as disciples of God, can believe that we will have what we request in prayer when we ask for God's will to take place in that situation. There was an analogy that I, I, gave, uh, that I have if I was your driving instructor, I'm not, so don't worry, but if I was your driving instructor and I say to you, always stay to the left as your one and only instruction for life, if you apply that one instruction, you eventually will die on the road. Just stay to the left. If you go to an America, <laughs> that's a bad thing, isn't it? You can't stay to the left. You cannot apply that instruction to every situation, no matter what. We have to understand what Jesus says to, about prayer in the situation that was given. And the importance is when we come to God in prayer, is to proclaim God's word, not our word. To proclaim God's truth, not our truth, or what we think truth should be. Coming into agreement with what the word of God says and declaring it out. And when we do this, we will see a great power of God at work in our life and situations. Because we're surrendering it to him. Rather than commanding God to do something, we're saying, God, as you desire. It's your purpose. It's your way. It's your truth. I pray in submission to the outcome. Whatever that outcome is, I believe in you. It's your way. Now, praying the word of God, it works. It does work. And power is added when we speak what is written. When we pray the word, we are praying God's will. We're praying his truth into our life and situations. And when we look at God, his will, and his purpose, I heard this analogy said about it. That God's will, his purpose, is like a river. It's, it has a fixed direction. It has a fixed location. It has a fixed flow. However, 
we in our prayers can sometimes want to move that flow how we please, changing the direction of it, maybe creating offshoots from that river. The question is, are you willing to dive into what God says, or are you just taking, picking and choosing, maybe just putting your hand in the river, but not the whole of yourself into that river, and ignoring the rest? The ultimate question is, who is in control? Who is in control? And I believe sometimes we can use prayer as a tool to implement our own wills to the best of our imaginations. But prayer is not a means of exercising our own will, but rather causing our reality to come in alignment with the kingdom of God. That is the power of prayer. Your will be done, God. The more you hear something, the more you're going to believe it. The more we speak out the word of God, the more we're going to believe what it says. The more we hold on to the truth of the word, the more it's going to be our reality in our everyday life and situations. We've just got to make sure we don't misapply it. And that's a responsibility we have as followers of God, to not misuse his word. One example I've, I've, I've heard often, for example, say Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things God works for good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I've heard it stated, God works for my good and my purpose. That's not what it says. And what it, what it for us when we come to God in prayer is recognizing that he is sovereign over all affairs of life. Stewarding God's word requires humility on our part. We have to be humble. Not complacent, but submissive to God's will. God, what you say, I believe in. Whatever the outcome, I will trust in you. In James 4, verses 13 to 15, it says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will do this or that, we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. By stewarding God's word in our prayer, we are praying in alignment to his will. Speaking it forth over our situations, keeping our eyes focused on the main thing, which is Christ himself. Life is uncertain. If we didn't know that already, I'm, I'm throwing it out there. Life is uncertain. We are going to face hardships. We are going to face difficulties. We are going to face challenges. We read in scripture, we will have trouble in this world, but then we read the promise, take heart, I have overcome this world. And once we're, again, going back to Paul, 
We do not know the nature of that affliction that he faced, that thorn in his flesh. People surmise what it is. We don't know. But what we do know is that God permitted it. And it was for his good. And he said, I admire Paul's words afterwards. He said, therefore, I will rejoice in my sufferings, in hardships, in persecutions, in troubles. When I am weak, then I am strong. I came across an old notebook that I had years ago when I was journaling and writing different stuff. And I had, it was just one line. Prayer is not a duty, but a delight. Sometimes we think it's a duty. I have to pray. I'm just going to, I'm going to pray today and that's my tick in the box. Rather, it should be a delight. We have an opportunity to commune with the King of Kings, Lord and Lords on a daily basis, in all situations, in all circumstances, invite him into the process, allowing his word to be our truth and not allowing our situations to hold us down, weigh us down and cause us to doubt in his name. That is a privilege that is before all of us. And I, this father in this story of Mark, this encounter in Mark, he said, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Maybe that's us. We believe yet doubt. Instead of believing and simply trusting in God. Our prayers are powerful. They are powerful. And it brings situations and circumstances into alignment with God's will and purpose. When God is at the helm, there's nothing he can't do. However, when we try and take the helm and command God to act, we may be setting ourselves up for disappointment. That's why we must approach God in humility, in surrender. It's your way, God. I've got one final quote to share with you before I finish today. And it says this. But the modern church's best kept secret is this. We believe in productivity, not prayer. We believe in solid programs, above average teaching, and yet another worship album release. That's success, right? The church's underground atheism in our time is that we will busy ourselves with almost anything except prayer. It's a challenge. About a year ago, as a leadership team, we had an away day just wanting to press in and seek God, discern his leading. And we had all these post-it notes ready to put up on this, this whiteboard of what we were believing and contending for. I'm looking over at Joy because you'll probably remember this. We put one post-it note. At the end of that day, we had one post-it note. Remember this? It said, more prayer. That was it. Let's bring prayer back into the center of our every single day. Sometimes other things can distract us. We can become complacent. We can allow God 
we've put God on the side where we try to do things our own way. Let's invite him back into the process. Surrendering to his way, submitting to his will, submitting to his purpose. And we will see how powerful our prayers can be. They can bring transformation. If God has said it, we can pray in assurance that it will happen. If God has not revealed the outcome to us, we still pray in submission to whatever the outcome will be. It's just the object that is important. God is is our focus. God, your way, your will, your truth, your word. I'm going to steward it in my everyday and see what you can do. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church, you can contact us at info at centrechurch.uk or check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.